Today is Monday, April 3rd, and it is 7.05. We'll call our meeting to order. We do have a quorum. Um, and maybe we'll just go around and uh, do a roll call of those in the room, and then the people who are participating remotely can say their name and say the same moment. So, Jill? Yeah, Jill Rocker, present. Evan Duvall, present. Steve Callahan, present. Peter Michelson, present. Abby Alden, present. Jeremy Marcet, present. Bob? Fox Lenny, participate remotely. Okay. Sharon? Sharon Tatro, participating remotely. Great. Awesome. Okay. Um, I will just disclose the meeting is being recorded. It will be made available on the website later. The first agenda item is uh, approval of minutes. We do have a set of minutes that Jeremy sent around. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> um, for March 6, 2023. Does anybody have any comments or questions on those minutes? Hearing none, I would entertain a motion to approve them. Motion to approve. Okay. Second. Second. Okay. All in favor in this room, start with Jill. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Bob? Yes. Yes. And Sharon? Yes. Awesome. Okay. So tonight we have... Um, we have a busy schedule. We have uh, two department budget reviews, for, one for Park and Rec and one for the Arts Cultural Council. And then the, the uh, town finance will take us through some compliance policy, financial policy tests. We will uh, then look at the operating budget and potentially take a vote on that and then move on to uh, some articles and uh, we have two citizen petitions that are also on the agenda. Um, so with that, why don't we uh, start with, uh, you're lucky, you get your first on the agenda, Park and Rec. <laughs> uh, so Jill, do you want to give like an overview? Yeah. Okay. Um, do you want the room? Yeah, you guys, why don't you just sit at the, the table there and- uh, Awesome, thank you for coming. Um, so I'll just run through really high level um, the budget requests and just some of the increases that are reflected in the community report that was sent out. Um, and then I'll turn it over to you guys and walk through the resolving account at that point. Um, but we'll start with the introduction for Katie. I'm not sure if you met everyone. Thanks so much for getting on board and um getting acclimated that yeah. whole process in um, so the overall total budget request for fiscal year 2024 will be $334,255. Um, this is all in with the cost of living increase I believe. Um, so the percentage from last year is a little bit higher um, because of that adjustment given where we are in the schedule. Um, about 7%. Last year's total approved budget was $311,625. Um, so the Parks and Rec Department um, has a pretty large program in town. Um, most of the budget is salary. 
Um, the requested salary amount for fiscal year 2024 is 275535 Um And that's up slightly, again, it has that cost of living um, reflected in there as well. Um, and then the operating expenses for 2024 are at 58720 um, This is a slight increase up from last year, 51900 um, which really it looked like it was in grounds and buildings um, and utilities like electricity and shoes and stuff. When you see that across the board, it's <laughs> no, surprising. Um, any questions on salary or uh, operating expense or anything else you guys want to add? Revolving is where we do our best work. Yes. Yeah, it's the, the most fun. Right. <laughs> so, um, all right, great. I will turn it over. I know you guys did a little bit of work to go through that kind of so it ended over the past couple of years. Um, if you want to take a look at that, I don't know if we can yeah i mean anything before we go into the revolver anything you want to add about you know your goals and objectives for the departments over the next year that might be helpful just to educate people that yeah. might not know that would be good you want to take it now sure okay fine so for uh fy 24 we have uh there's several uh fairly significant uh uh, projects, um, the replacement of Hinkley's Playground is the uh, fundraising for that is well underway and close to completion. Um, along with that, we, uh, we plan to upgrade the uh, Hinkley bathrooms and card shack. What a tremendous disrepair or, or putting band-aids on it for the last several years. And along with that, uh, right across the, replacing the Hinkley shed. Um, we're in the process of a field study audit. Our fields are used uh, tremendous. Actually, we're probably uh, back in the early 2000s. I, I visited Millwood before Katie was there, and uh, they did an extensive field study audit at quite an expense. And we basically pirated just to get the parameters of what they were looking for and we found that compared to Norwood our, our fields are used three to four times more than theirs were. They allow certain athletic fields to go fallow for a period of time. We do not and between our own programs and the high school using our fields our fields have no chance to rest. However um, you wouldn't know it by looking at uh, Brian schools who uh, Rehired from the minor league team uh, up in New Hampshire. Um, he's done an unbelievable job uh, where he has actually won a, a Massachusetts State Award for, uh, for fields. And uh, we'll be expanding our summer camp offerings. What we'd like to do is um, we were really the only, the only uh, municipal summer camp running during COVID, the first year of COVID. I mean, nowhere else, certainly none of the over the heck were on it. But uh, we had to curtail a lot of our programming. So uh, we're bringing quite a bit of it back, including in the fall, um, some of the programs that we, we, we have uh, stopped, but that we, we will be bringing back. Um, we'll be adding programming for adults, 
Um, what we'd like to do during FY24 is add a full-time staff member for uh, programming and uh, to help with, with our program. And um, right now, um, Christine can speak to this, uh, we're, we're looking for a part-time 20 hours a week to carry us through the summer. We're inundated right now. We have just Katie and our, uh, our program coordinator, Jackie. Um, they, they're handling everything. And what we don't want them is to be running the camps physically running the camps where they're overseeing everything and they have other uh, duties and responsibilities if we can help it we get the personnel so that would go a, a great way uh, and it would be part-time and be paid out of revolving um, and we're uh, we're hoping to finalize plans for a potential disc golf course um, across from the uh, property well our uh, one of our commissioners, Rod Tatro, is uh, he's been in uh, quite an in-depth conversation with one of the uh, preeminent discount installers in the country, and uh, they've already done a walkthrough. And it may be a matter of getting permission from the selectmen. I know there are twelve acres up there for mm -hmm. exclusively for municipal use. We're hoping to have access. It doesn't take that much room. It's basically a hole in the ground. Yeah. So, uh, and that would come out of your revolver. Yes, the plan for yes, that. Yeah, yeah. So what time this went to build what? Disc golf. Disc golf. It's a like fris frisbee. Okay. Yeah, you know, they they have virtually no um, capacity recreation, and uh, it's, it's been something that that we've been we've been thinking about for quite some time. And this is the, the perfect. This golf is it's like. Uh, Popular, very popular, yeah. similar to uh, what is it? Pickleball. Uh, Pickleball. Oh. <laughs> I know, and that's. I mean, ideally, we should, we would have one. We'll probably do uh, a pickleball league and play at others, play at others' uh, facilities. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, it's just no. It's getting back out of COVID and uh, getting to where really we were headed. Yeah, for COVID. So uh, that is question I had for you, uh, Mel. Was um, I know we've tried to institute some new processes and procedures. Have, has the commission approved this budget? Are you guys, uh, which the budget request? Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. We didn't want to get ahead of you. Oh, no, no. Okay, that's good. Um, okay. I mean, um, do you want to go through the revolver and talk about that, or how, how do we want to handle that? Yeah. And Andrew, uh, I, know, I know Andrew helped pull some of this information together. Um, so, yeah, the revolving account is a bulk of what we generate, but also a bulk of what we spend. So, Aside from the budget um, from operating, we are primarily um, a revolving account um, department. So we're just looking at right now what we are spending, how we can either, when we're growing programs, we're being able to um, create more revenue for um, other bigger projects or special warrant projects. Um, this year, hopefully after being approved, will be our um, $85,000 to the guard 
guard shack and then $12,000, which is all revolving. So when we're making um, extra revenue, we are then just putting it back into our program. So I'm using Mel because I've just hit three months today, um, but the last like 10 years or more, um, we've been using the, the extra money revolving to um, do our projects for special for our special warrants. So uh, we're looking at, I know this has been mentioned for our, our one through five, um, looking at Metacomic will be coming up soon with a full overhaul of the tennis courts. Um, we are looking at a possible venue for pickleball, but we have to identify that and how much that would come up with. Um, but looking at the revolving, Andrew can talk a little bit more. Um, it, it's a bulk of what we take in and what we put out. So sometimes there will be a little bit more on uh the bigger side, but right now we, in a recreation world, we upfront all of the summer costs. So we just took in half of our summer uh, registration cost, and then the other half will come in by May 31st. But that is for our payroll. That won't you won't see a true reflection of our revolving account until our summer camps in Hinkley Pond is over. So that's why you'll see a big from March to April, May, a big sum of money sitting in our revolving account. But then come September, after our payroll is all done for the summer, you'll see it go right back down. Okay. So that's why we see these uh, attractions and addbacks on the deposits and stuff yeah. like so that. Any, any of the summer deposits collected in advance, we don't count it as part of the balance in the account. Yeah. So uh, that's why there's a pretty big discrepancy between our book balance and report to the state versus what we actually have for cash on hand. Mm -hmm. so, Okay. In the summer program, maybe, I don't know, maybe uh, Christine could talk to this about just the, the change of um, procedures around collection of cash and, you know, what how that's going to get run this summer, I guess. So we changed the, the policy townwide. Um, I'll refer to Georgia. Uh, so we, um, my new policy is that no department can accept cash unless they are able to document that cash through either a cash register or a third-party piece of software. Most departments have chosen not to collect cash. They have a policy that they do not collect cash. Um, I am slowly working. Um, I just finished uh, the town clerk's office. They are fully automated online. She collects no cash. Um, my next victim will be the Council on Aging, and most likely Katie will be next after that. It's quite simple, to be honest with you. Um, everyone always has a credit card in their pocket. Yeah. Um, simple swipe, and um, and I. It's, How will you deal with like little kids yeah, that that might not? Mom and dad might not give them a credit card. We'll have that issue at the swim point. Yeah. And. Uh, so our MyRec system is our software system that we use for current registration. So we actually can set it up like a cash register. Okay. So I've been talking with Owen, just being able to, A, get the device down there, have cellular rather than a Wi-Fi card, and then work with Georgia because it is. It's like we have kids that have one, $2, they want to buy a candy bar or an ice cream because it is a full service concession stand. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, like we don't do Venmo. We don't do, you know, we only yeah. take either cash or credit, but then we also have to look on the, flip side of it is how much that credit card. So in my prior position, um, we oversaw pools. And so those daily $5, Hinkley has $5. Like there's always some sort of cash and we're yeah. going to turn away a 10 year old coming to swim at the pond because we can't take cash. But hopefully working with Georgia, working with 
um, whether that's a daily deposit, a weekly deposit, we have a safe now at the recreation department. Um, and I've been working with our um, Hinkley Pond supervisor for this summer, coming up with policies and procedures Good. for everything, even credit cards, just the how do we process that. So that software is essentially a point of sale system. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's great. Great. Yeah. Any other uh, questions or comments from anyone else? Bob or Darren, do you have anything you wanted to? What's the carryover? I, I, maybe just a, maybe just a, <clears throat> sorry, an opportunity for <clears throat> an opportunity for Katie to uh, introduce herself in terms of her background and uh, and you know being that it's her first opportunity speaking for the Warren Commission and also uh, she mentions she's on her third month anniversary so. Any insights <laughs> you learned in those first 90 days you could share with us? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm coming from a recreation background. Um, I oversaw a $1.8 million budget before coming to Medfield, so it's a little bit less, but we can handle that. Um, I have worked with grants before. Uh, like I said, recreation, I served as the co-chair of the Metro West region for the state of Massachusetts. Um, in 2020, I was the programmer of the year for the state. Um, we were recognized from my last town for um, the involvement we had. We kind of co-steered um, the lead with Medfield. Um, having summer camp in a pandemic, we were one of the only towns. Um, I came to Medfield because I wanted a smaller town. Um, I came coming from Norwood. It's a large town, but I also like the small feel. I like working with the commission. This is nice. We've never had one before. I haven't worked for one. Um, so far, so good. Um, I just look forward to the possibilities here in Medfield. There's definitely opportunity to grow the programming. Um, I think we do a really good job serving our three to 10 year old groups. Um, however, recreation has some sort of involvement for everybody. And if you look at our mission statement, as well as the recreation in the state, like we wanna be able to serve not only our kids, but our adults and seniors. Um, we're trying to bring back a ping pong night at the FAF Center, which I'm kind of excited about. Um, we've already expanded in three months. We are part of a travel pickleball league with Millis, Medway, and Franklin. Um, so they'll be hosting, we'll be traveling there. We did our first um, passive recreation programming, the Lucky Leprechaun in the parks that had over 500 families participate for free. Um, so a little bit about me, I, I am looking forward to expanding, but also creating opportunities, um, affordable opportunities for families. Things are going up, but with recreation families, you see two, three, four kids in a family, you know, time's up by our summer camp. It might be a deal, but for a family, that's a lot. So yeah. excited for that. Um, yeah. That's great. Your enthusiasm is contagious. <laughs> <laughs> So we're, 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 you mentioned capital and the expenditures for the golf and everything. Is that the in the in the uh, transfers out in the, looking at the revolver? Is that the ninety-seven thousand? Yeah. So when so those are the the projects that have been approved for. Hopefully, after town meeting, that will be coming out of the revolving account. Okay, so that's that. Yeah. Okay. So there's nothing in. Uh, I don't see anything in the forecast for twenty-four. Yeah. There is, yeah, that's in the capital budget. They have they have things that are now coming out of the capital yeah. budget. Capital and stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like the, the yeah. Hinkley. Yeah. Um, the, but that means we'll look at the revolving account to see what in the like 2024, what can we afford? Because 
our capital projects are supplemented from our revolving account. Right. I think they like to spend your revolvers down. I mean, looking at the priority of balances, that $9,800, looks like the revenue and expenses basically offset every year. Very, very close. That's a management effort to keep that under control. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't go negative enough. Um, yeah, I think working with Andrew, they probably have a good plan to, to do that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I know in the capital budget, we had the, to the repair of that Hinkley building. Um, I forget how much it was. 85000 85000 12000 to replace the Hinkley shed. So we're yeah. all the guards um, keep all their stuff. Yes, yeah. At a point of replace, not I think they probably have a few health violations. <laughs> Can you speak to uh, summer camp staffing and summer camp enrollment this year? How's that? Is that one so we're actually very fortunate. Um, right now we have 54 applicants for camp counselors. So we are very healthy, but we are incorporating time off this year. So some of those applicants need three or four weeks off. So those will go to our sub pool. Um, and then we are hurting for lifeguards. So it's a national shortage. Um, we currently, a full staff for us would be 18. We have 12. Um, we are currently working with a couple of indoor pools around to see if we can subsidize the cost. A lot of times lifeguards don't want it because they have to output 450 to $500 for a lifeguard certification. Um, most of the Metro West region has transitioned to paying for lifeguards to be um, in Medfield. That hasn't been something that's done, so I, I didn't want to risk it my first year. So, but it is talking about that. Um, we have Lynn, who is doing an amazing job recruiting, um, literally going to places and talking. But right now, our lifeguards, we did close applications, but we're going to reopen lifeguards because we're looking for four, four to six more. Yeah, so that was just a couple of things that the pond um, that is going to cost the recreation department a little bit more money is some of the equipment. Um, that has not either been there, that should be there um, per the state regulation for an open waterfront. So you can either be an open waterfront or a pool. And even though Hinkley is very unique and man-made, it is an open waterfront. Um, so we have to follow the laws of an open waterfront. So we have to be um, investing in some um, safety equipment as well as additional training because we do, um, we are an open waterfront. So we have an instructor coming in from Med Medford, um, to come in to train our lifeguards on um, open waterfront safety. Yeah, about the cleanliness of the water. Do you have to test that? Oh, yes. I'm solitude and just learned today. You know, we need to come tomorrow to check it out. So, yeah. So, um, from the months of um, April to September, we have a management group come out. Every two months, every two weeks to test the waters. And so they treat the water. Um, our, our biggest issue is the snapping turtle that they get. They come and migrate over, so there's not a lot of to stop that. But yes, we do have um, a treatment every two weeks. Don't tell the kids about the snapping turtle. <laughs> 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 All right. Any other uh, comments or questions for Mel and Katie? 
Well, thank well, I'm glad you. to have you, though. Yeah, we're, we're very happy you're here in Medfield. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, wish you all the best. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. Okay, I guess the next agenda item is the Arts and Cultural Council. Yes. Okay, so um, I can't remember if Ron got um, that right on. Um, there's a contact for the Central Cultural Council. So the budget request this year uh, for fiscal year 2024 is 7,300. Um, this is a 12% increase from the approved budget last year. So these funds represent um, funds received from Mass Cultural Council um, with the purpose of providing grants locally as part of the, the local cultural council program. Um, so they'll do a lot around town, actually, um, as far as being the arts and performance uh, activities flowing in the town. Um, they also, um, I believe it's a reimbursement program, I believe, but um, the budget is to then start it off, they issue the grants out, they talk, issue um, applications, submit to get the grant, and then they get reimbursed from the year um, as the programs and projects and off throughout. So just some uses from um, this past year and still happening um, through fiscal year 2023 as examples. Um, they did projects like the Daffodil and Fairy House Festival um, this past year. They've done. Uh, was, that, was that the one they did up at Hospital Hill? I believe or so. Or the hospital at Fairy House there? Yes, I believe it's the one I chased my kids around. Sorry, it's unfamiliar. They'll do things like supporting the Dwight Derby House sign, um, the gazebo players in Medfield, and the Shakespeare in the Park program that they do. Um, they put together um, some funds for the Culture Fest, and um, they do things with the Peak House Heritage Center as well, kind of fund some of the programs that they on those areas. Yeah. So they apply for the grant, they get it approved up to a certain dollar account, mm -hmm. and then they can spend it within the grant requirements. Yes, and they're the... And they have flexibility for that matter. Correct. Um, it, has, it has a big handbook on how they're to administer the funds. And they have to fill out um, not only their annual report, but an application every year. Right. Yes. They do it every year. Yeah. Yeah. So slightly up from last year, but Okay. Any questions for Jill on the arts and culture? Seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. yeah. Built into it. Small dollar, but big percentage increase, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so is there, is there before we get into uh, the town finance stuff, is there any other departments or budget line items that people think we have not discussed that we should? I, I, I did a, a quick check myself and I think we covered everything, but I just wanna double check with everybody, okay. Okay, so do you want to uh, 
um, we want to, do you want to start the, uh, the review of our, uh, sure. the review of our financial policy test and, um, and talk about uh, free cash, I guess. And then we can you know, talk about the budget, I guess, the operating budget. Hmm? It is after after we do it. As part of the um, financial policies, we are required to complete um, the financial policy measure of compliance, which you'll find in the packet I gave you this evening. This is the handout. Yeah. You haven't seen this yet. And this has what was approved in fiscal year 23. The Board of Selectmen have already approved that the fiscal year 23 estimates that we used at last year's town meeting did, in fact, meet the financial policy. Um, and those are online. You have a copy of uh, fiscal year 23 as approved as well. Um, and I'm very happy to report that for this uh, compliance test, we actually were able to add uh, a section in about whether or not we met the 9% um, compliance test in the past. Seven and a half percent for reserves as a percentage of our general fund expenditures. Seven and a half percent has been the, the ceiling, the floor, basically. That was the minimum uh, in which, and we had struggled, um, as you know, in 18, 19, and then at 20 to meet that. Um, in 23, uh, we met it with 8.7, and this year we exceeded the 9%, and we're estimating 10%. Uh, so really want to thank the Warren Committee and the Board of Selectmen and the School Committee for really adhering to the financial policies and, and moving this uh, compliance forward. Excuse me for one second. Uh, so uh, Sharon and Bob, I did just email you this. Uh, yes, and it's a, it's available online as well. Yeah, what, what, what we're going through now, I just emailed it to both of you. Yeah, so this compliance test shows, um, obviously we met the 7.5%. We met the next threshold, which would have been the 9%. Uh, and then our free cash balance, uh, we are estimating that we will meet the two and a half percent free cash on hand at the end of town meeting and we're anticipating it to be 2.56. And you, um, do you know if you or Andrew knows the, the answer to this question, but of the $7 million of reserves, kind of what's that made up of? That I know like there's, yeah. Like there's the free cash piece, there's the general stabilization. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So in the reserves, that is um, prior uh, in fiscal year 23, it included the MSB lump sum reimbursement reserve balance that we had. Uh, we finished uh, expending that in fiscal year 22. So that was not available in 23 and, and 24. Um, this is the stabilization fund balance. This is the reserve fund balance for the Warren Committee. Um, we set that at $170,000 last year. We set it at $170,000 for this year. That is our capital stabilization fund balance after our town meeting appropriations, our free cash balance, our sale of land proceeds, um, and our MSBA interest reserve account. That makes it all. Okay. So it includes the capital stabilization. It includes capital stabilization. It does not, not include the municipal, the municipal building, which yeah. was funded through the dedicated override. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think this is uh, certainly uh, 
an improving story to tell. You know, the, the, you know, it's a great story to tell, actually. You know, a lot of hard work of prior committees, prior warrant committees, uh, to get here. So, um, but we're we're uh, it seems like we're um, you know we're we're uh, we're exceeding our our required. Range, I guess. Yeah, we have nine to twelve percent is the is the target goal. Oh, nine to twelve. Nine to twelve is the okay. target goal, with uh, seven and a half percent being the, the minimum. minimum. Okay, so we're not quite at the twelve. <laughs> yeah, but um, what does what what percentage are we at? Do you know? Ten point zero four. Ten point zero four. Okay, yeah. got it. Nice. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then if you flip the page. Um, I provided you a breakdown of what we anticipate using for free cash, where that ties into uh, the measure of compliance for the free cash that we're required to keep on hand. I just wanted a, a breakdown for everybody as to exactly how we propose to spend that this year, which you've been reviewing all along, but it's it's nice to see once we get the, the budget balance that we have all of that uh, in line. And you have a cushion of 42,000, I guess. That's good. Yes. Good not to be too precise on the policy, and that sounds good. Hey, Christian, uh, hey, Christine uh, I know from prior town meetings we've had this question. Can you just uh, explain the difference between the general fund expenditures and the uh, the budget expenditures? Because I know that was raised on the floor a couple of times at town meetings, and just. That differential. Yeah, so there was, there, so the, the question that came up at Tammy a few years ago was why is the budget worksheet that we keep at the summary at the beginning of the town report, uh, warrant report, why is that different than what you see for the operating budget? The operating budget that you see, there's about 10 pages in the middle of your warrant report. That's the actual operating um, budget for each individual town department and or the school department. What you see in the budget summary in the beginning is all of the revenues and expenditures for the town as a whole. So there are several expenditures the town must make that are outside of those operating budgets. And those includes the capital stabilization, municipal building stabilization, um, your reserve fund, et cetera. You're welcome. Um, now that you know, we're on a great road towards you know, following the financial policy, um, is any chance that it's gonna um, help improve our debt rating um, in the near future? I, I would like to think so. I mean, that's always been the goal when we started the financial policies was to continue to increase that. Yeah. Um, and I know that building up our stabilization is something that Moody's has always stressed uh, when they met with us. So I think as long as we continue to move in that direction, we should see some positive impact from that. So when is the next time we might have that? What, when we might, when is the next bad issue? Probably not until the next. Well, I know when we want, when we are the, um, the water treatment plant up on and September of 21. Yeah. Um, they did comment quite uh, favorably that we had, that was the first time that we were able to show off our financial policy. Mm -hmm. um, that we were able to sustain the same bond rating in the midst of so, the pandemic. Yeah. So, possibly the next bond issue will most likely be a school project. In this 
You're not making a promise we're going to get triple A, are you? I'm not making any promises. Okay, all right. Seems like we're putting our best foot forward. But I think we are moving forward. That being that, obviously, that would be it. That would save the town a lot of money. Yes, and it would be an incredible goal to achieve that. Got a triple A rating. Better get some commercial base here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also a contingent on it. It does, it does help. Yeah. We'll be from line to Yeah. Well, we certainly don't want to go down, right? We want to maintain our double A. Absolutely not. And I know, I know, we talked a little bit at the last meeting about the the goal of our financial policies, and it's not just our bond rating, but it's also being able to survive, um, you know, without doing significant budget cuts during the next downturn recession. So there are multiple reasons why um, we want to adhere to those financial policies and move this forward. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So this has all been posted online. This is this is available. Um, Andrew is working on uh, the final operating budget, as Bob alluded to a few minutes ago, and really we should be ready to go uh, print for the war report next week, right after your meeting on Tuesday. No pressure. So, uh, so this this budget is supported by the selectmen. Yes. They'll be taking it up tomorrow night at their meeting. They're they're going to vote on this tomorrow. Correct. Select board. Select board. Excuse me. Good. Thank you. Okay. We're, we're all it's getting gonna, It's going to take a while. Uh, Muscle memory. Um, yeah. Uh, so, okay. Are there any questions on this on this budget worksheet that that has uh, we've all seen numerous times and talked about numerous times, but. It's basically, you know, the update, the latest update is it's just basically the change for the school, right? The change for the reductions in the, yeah. in the school, the town. And yeah. um, you will notice that the HR budget has been reduced, that cost of living has been distributed uh, to the individual departments. So you'll see okay. the departments that you had will now be slightly higher um, than what you were reviewing because we've taken that yeah. uh, and given that out to the departments. Incorrect. Any questions on this? Well, <clears throat> If there's no questions, maybe we should uh, uh, entertain. We did have a motion. We did have on the agenda that we could we could vote on this tonight. Um, and I know there's a reason why they want to do that because they can move forward with getting the, the warrant ready. Uh, but I'll entertain a motion if somebody wants to make it to approve Article 22 uh, of the operating budget as presented, you know, in the, uh, the worksheet. So moved. Second. Okay, let's go around the room. Yes. 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 Okay. Operating uh, budget approved. You happy? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, Bob. Well, excuse me. Wait. We have we have two online here and in Zoom world. Sorry. All right, guys. Okay, yes. Bob. Are you a, are you a yes? Yeah. Okay, and Sharon. Sharon. Yes. Okay, thank you for reminding me that. <laughs> All right, so we have an approved Article 22. Um, I have to remind me, can, uh, can you text um, Chris to let her know that we're-, we're I don't think you can send, I don't have her number. Okay. Hang on just a second, I need to. <clears throat> Thank you. 
in a citizen's petition. Chris Pass wants to know when we're done with the All right, next agenda item is we have uh, the school committee power purchase agreement, Article 26. Can you promote uh, Megan and also, um, is it Penny? Penny, yeah, Penny and, uh, and I maybe, uh, I don't know, this looks like it, I, I, is it just, well, we'll we'll ask Megan. I don't know. Uh, hi, Megan. Hi, Penny. Hello. How are you? Hi. Good. Good. Okay. Uh, we're good. Good to go. Yes. Hold on a second. Is that you want to say anything before? Yeah, we had, okay. we had an opportunity to speak a couple of hours ago and I get a little preview. So but I'll turn it off right away to make this. Okay. There's a lot of slides to go. Yeah. We, some of which we can go through fairly quickly, but. Uh, yeah, we're, we're hopeful you can kind of keep this short and concise. I shall keep it short and concise. That, that's great. I'm happy to answer any questions. So I'm Megan Sullivan. I'm part of the Midfield Energy Committee. I'm here with Penny Connor. Penny, we're so lucky to have her here. She has 35 years in the energy business. She runs Energy Strategy for Eversource. And she's also one of the co-leaders of the Energy Committee and runs the Renewables Pillar. So the two of us are excited to share with you the information about this warrant article. So let me just get my... Oh, Frank, could you um, let me share? Please. As a presentation, she. Oh, yep. Sorry, I thought if I promoted you, you'd be able to. Uh... Yeah, it said disabled participant screen sharing. Yeah, yeah. I just have to let all. Okay. Just give us a minute. Sure. All right, you want to try now? Yes. All right. Share that. And great. This little thing out of the way. Start the slideshow. All right, are you seeing the slideshow? Yes. Look good? Okay, great. Okay, so Article 26, or yeah, 26. Very excited to share the details of the warrant article with you. I'm gonna start with that and then highlight the financials and then present the benefits that include the ability for the town to save $1.6 million without any capital investment. So, um, oh, here we go. Here's Article 26, and I'm sure you've all had a chance to read it. It references uh, three schools, which are the ones that we are currently talking about projects for at the moment uh, with the school committee. Um, I know it looks like um, it's a lot uncomplicated, but there's actually some precedent for it. But just to distill it, what this does is this article authorizes or allows the school committee to enter into power purchase agreements and lease authorizations for solar arrays. So it's not specifically doing that or committing to it. It's just authorizing the school committee to do it in, in the future. So there is some precedent for it. And that was back in 2021 at town meeting, we authorized articles 17 and 18, which actually did this for the town properties. 
At the time, the town was discussing putting solar on top of the DPW building. And in order to continue to figure out what was best for the town in terms of what kind of array to put on that building, they needed the flexibility to know that they could do a PPA. So in June of, or I guess it was May of 2021, town meeting was asked to authorize this. And so it did this for um, the DPW building and other town properties actually, but that does not include the schools because of the way the care and custody works. So uh, this is actually just going to bring the um, schools into kind of alignment with that, that allowing them to e explore. And I will say that um, it was very helpful because it was in June of, it was May of 2021 that the warrant articles passed. And it wasn't until a full year later, nearly a full year later, that we actually entered into a power purchase agreement with um, Select for the DPW. So you can see there's a bit of a kind of needing to know what your options are and then figuring out exactly what you're going to do. So um, we are excited about the PPA option. And to just be clear about what a PPA is, um, I will say that it's an arrangement, it's called a power purchase agreement where the school um, would um, lease solar, uh, lease the space for the power purchase um, firm, in this case, Select Energy, to um, put solar voltaics on our property without any expense to us. And then we agree to purchase the electricity at a given price. Um, so I wondered if anybody has questions about the actual impact of the article, but if not, I'll go on to talk about actually the projects that the, the school's thinking about. Any, any questions so far? No, I, I see the article does mention the select board and the Medfield School Committee. Is are both boards required for approval, or who has jurisdiction? I think this is just so it's the, not the select board, is it? So the committee it... has uh, jurisdiction for care, custody, and control. In working with several solar companies, they recommended that we cite the select board in the article as well, since they actually mm -hmm. own the title. Um, they thought it would be cleaner if we had both of them listed in there. Okay. So. Even though it's like what already has permission, they, they thought it was legally better for that. Uh, the sponsor of the article includes Medfield Energy uh, Committee, too. Yes. Yes. And it, um, everybody good? Sorry. So I, I think that's it. Okay, great. Thank you. So actually that kind of leads right to the net, the next uh, slide. I won't read all the details on here, but it was actually the Medfield Energy Committee that asked the school committee if they could lead on these solar projects in Medfield. As you know, in 2021, the school, the town adopted a net zero goal of 20 to be net zero in 2050. We've developed a climate action plan, the renewables pillar, uh, set out to see where we could put solar arrays and the locations that bubble to the top are actually at the school properties. So um, it's our best choice to move forward at this time. We've been working with the school committee since the fall, um, identifying the properties, talking through some um, you know, questions about them. And the best three, the best projects are the canopies at the high school parking lot, canopies at one of the Blake parking lots, there's a new section of 
uh, roof that has recently been repaired on Blake. So include that. And then also uh, a canopy at Memorial at the North Street parking lot. So those are the projects that are under consideration at this time. So in February, the uh, school committee signed a letter of intent, which allows select who is a pre-approved vendor for this sort of thing. So you don't have to do an RFP. Um, it allows them to have confidence that Medfield is interested in moving forward. They're going to do some more engineering. They move forward, apply for interconnection, and they also apply for the incentives. And um, so th this is one of the steps along the way. Um, the energy committee committed to the school committee that we would be very involved in outreach to the community um, about solar. And so that's right up our alley. So we're very happy to do that. We have a really comprehensive plan in May of 24, um, sorry, let's just say May of 23. Um, hopefully this article gets approved. Then um, it, hopefully in that month of May, early June, we have renderings that show people what this actually looks like. The incentives are finalized, the updated pricing based on the engineering select is able to do. Um, and whatever happens with tax incentives, it all kind of gets finalized. Then there's some negotiations, contract language, and the school committee then will make a decision about whether they'd like to go forward or not. And then assuming everything goes forward, the goal would be to begin work in the summer of 2024. So uh, what are the benefits? Here is a great benefit. It's financially beneficial. And this might, oh, sorry. Can you see? I'm looking at all of you, so I can't see all of it. So this slide shows um, three school locations, the size of the arrays, how many kilowatt hours are generated in a year. Um, overall, these three locations will produce 76% of the need of those buildings. Um, and then here's where we have a little bit of... Um, flux, I guess, in this, not indecision, but we don't quite know where this will land. We're hopeful that we land in this incentive block here, number seven. Um, that is like the high end of our range for incentives, or it's possible that we might fall to block eight, in which case the incentives would be less. But this is an example of why time is of the essence. The faster we move forward, the more lucrative the incentives are from the state. Um, so overall, over 25 years, we anticipate a range of savings between $1.7 and $1.5 million, depending on which block we end up in. So, um, and then for no capital investment, we think that's really a terrific um, opportunity for the town. And so I put together this next um, chart. Ed, I think you'll appreciate it. I pulled it together this afternoon, so I apologize for its rudimentaryness. But you can see that the uh, town right now in year zero pays about $250,000 for that 76% of electricity for those buildings. And what we're proposing to do is to stabilize the cost of that electricity over 25 years. So we'll agree on a price and it will stay the same for 25 years. What happens in this other line here is that you expect that the price of electricity will increase. So this is the annual cost of grid, deliver, grid delivered electricity. And so anything in this area then is the savings to the town. So um, as you know, steep as this is, or as shallow as it is, creates the savings for the town. 
Yeah. Uh, this saving is actually in the school budget. The energy. Yes. Yes. That's correct. Yeah. So going forward, when you look at the school budget, you'll consider this gets approved. You'll consider this and then go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. This project, then, making correct me if I'm wrong, won't affect us for a while because this is like an 18 month project on these. Let's call it four projects: the the three parking lots and the roof. Like they have to. They, correct me if I'm wrong, Aiden. They have to be done within 18 months of signing the agreement. Um, so you won't see any benefit for a couple of years. But yeah, it's not uh, going to affect that by 24. But yeah, yeah. But yeah, after that, after that, you yeah. will. And that that increase there, that red line, that is based upon the historical increases in electric. Kilowatt hours. I, I will say, it, it, my now, to my knowledge, it's a, just an estimated. It's an estimate that the price of electricity will increase two percent annually. Going forward, that seems, like, conservative. That seems like a conservative yeah. estimate. Yeah. 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 We all see in our building. Right. Right. So it, if it's it, so if it's higher than that, right. the savings is greater. So right. exactly. Yeah. A question about the. Blocks, I believe. Um, what? How do you qualify for block seven versus block eight? Oh, uh, great question. It's actually just a matter of timing. If we had, you know, done this two years ago, we could be in block five, and it would be even more lucrative. So over time, as those blocks fill up, it's called a tranche system. When they fill up, you move to the next one, and the energy, um, the utilities, or everybody's incentivizing you to get going early, and then hopefully, well. They're hoping that by the end of the incentives, that <clears throat> the market is just able to take <clears throat> does not require the incentives. So it's just a matter of us getting moving early, and that's actually and the thing that happened with the LOI is that we select is working on putting in the application so that we land our spot. And um, this is actually a, a, one of the things too that happened when the town um, did the DPW garage, right? They voted the authorization for it, and we got the spot. And um, in the DPW tranche, so it actually, you know, works to your advantage to move early, and um, most works to your advantage to move early. So, did that answer your question about yeah, the seven and eight? Great. Another, so, another quick one. I'm always, I'm always curious if we're saving that much money over 20, 25 years, depending upon whether it's in the on the roof or in the parking lot, and Eversource must make on that incremental power that we generate, obviously enough to offset. I mean, to have the same price for 25 years, 20, 25 years, you wonder how do they how do they make their money? I'd always like to understand a little bit better, maybe the energy person. Well, Penny yeah. probably can answer yeah. that. Penny, yeah. Well, I'll you know, give you give away that I have a, a price that that's fixed and still be profitable. Right. So uh, first, this the uh, the folks who would make money on this would be select. They are the ones who are financing and and building it. And so, yes, their purchase power agreement, while it does save the town money, will allow them to uh, recoup their investment. How does all of this work? Uh, it is because the state is very keen on achieving the net zero goals by 2050 and renewables is one of the key 
uh, strategies that's in place. So they have been encouraging more renewables and the SMART program, which is the tranches that we're talking about, is one of the additional incentives that's associated with it. So uh, these installations will allow us to take that benefit. But it, the, the, there is, if you ever look closely at your energy bill, we're all paying uh, fees in for renewable energy and um, to support the state in creating and supporting these various projects. So it tends to be uh, the additional cost associated with these is currently a socialized cost that that comes across to all customers over time. Yeah. And solar select or whatever, they they you know they obviously uh, are incurring the finance charges, right? right. To, to they, they are. They're taking the risk on the project. I am personally, uh, you know, all of these come through um, the ones on Eversource territory come through my team. And I had my team personally look at this purchase power agreement. We see all of them. Uh, and uh, our our feeling was that this was a very fair agreement. But yes, Select is in the business of building these. They, they do make money off of these. Uh, that's their business that they're in. But they uh, their niche is that they are known for working with the local towns to create these solutions. Many of the solar providers uh, commercial wise, don't really want to work with these smaller installations, but Select is very good in this space, so I can uh, feel good about them being uh, recommending this and and doing this purchase power agreement with them. Thank you. So, well, we don't have any capital expense. Do we lease the panels, or there's zero expense for that? Well, they lease the roof space to right. Select, so they put the panels on there. So okay. we don't own the panels. We just We're just leasing the roof space. Okay. They're, they're paying us to, yeah, they're paying us to lease the roof and to generate energy, and they're bidding that energy into the energy marketplace, uh, and also bidding the associated renewable energy credits. So there's actually two revenue streams that Select will be benefiting from. One is the actual energy that's produced. The other is that. Uh, Electric companies, all of the utilities in Massachusetts have a requirement to secure renewable energy. So those renewable energy credits also have a value in the marketplace, and that's been been going up increasingly. Does Select also own the pedestal and the and the where the parking area is? Yes, they would be putting up those canopies. The canopies are um, typically a, a more expensive more expensive way to secure solar energy, but uh, definitely one that brings ancillary benefits of providing coverage and shade in the summer and the elimination of snow removal in the winter. So there are some benefits to the canopies. Those canopies are, uh, the agreement is they have to stay in place for 25 years. That, that is correct. And Megan is, and, and has a whole team that is just doing an amazing job doing outreach to the communities to provide them visuals and explanations about these particular projects. We recognize that um, we need to engage everyone so that they're, they're aware of, of the investment. But the wonderful news is that at, at in the town of Medfield, who is committed to delivering net zero by 2050, 
Uh, our schools can be the leaders in this space. And not only does it deliver savings to the school, it reduces your carbon footprint and I believe provides an educational opportunity that I'm sure the schools will want to leverage as students look and are able to see the schools being a role model and being able to measure the savings and benefit that they are contributing to the environment. One more question. Okay. In the event this thing ever went sideways for whatever reason, either because of the it's not working for what is there any type of out provision for the for the schools? If just you know, I, I doubt it's gonna, it's 99% sure it's gonna be savings, but if, if there was something that we're not thinking of, and uh, is there any out provision uh for the schools? I will need to come back to you on whether there is an out provision. Uh, the, the PPA puts the risk on select. So if the panels are not producing, they are not making money, but they've still committed to us to provide us energy at the price they've committed to. So we've really removed the risk element associated that would be associated if we were building the panels and maintaining the panels. They own that risk. They are committing to us a price certain that we will pay going forward for the energy. And that is the assurance you can take. If something, go, if something goes wrong with those panels, they want to fix it right away. They have incentives to keep them. You know, Sorry, I two questions, but I just put a third one in my head. Um, so following up on Ed's question about an out provision, wild hypothetical. There's an incredible breakthrough infusion technology and cheap non-solar energy becomes available at a quite reasonable price. Pretty ridiculous hypothetical, but not an absolute impossibility. Do we have an out in that very wild hypothetical? We will double check. We will double check, but I believe the answer is you're signing a purchase power agreement to buy that energy for the next 25 years. And there is, yes, you are then, the risk the town is taking on is just that, that there is some breakthrough and energy miraculously uh, reduces in price. Now, I'm in the energy business. I've been in the energy business 35 years. What I see coming at us is a lot of investment that needs to be made uh, what, not in the generation side, generation also, because as we build offshore wind, but keep in mind, there's investment that's going to have to be made in transmission systems to bring that renewable power from offshore, onshore to the load centers. So there is, there's new investment that's going to be needed over time in the distribution systems as we electrify customers who today are heating with fossil fuels, and we're encouraging them to move to electric source. So uh, as I look forward, uh, I uh, even if generation uh, pricing reduced, I, I still see the overall all-in supply of energy is is going to to. Of course, this is only the supply piece, but I I think it's unlikely. But yes, you are taking on that risk. Okay. So an additional question: When the panels go up, can that mostly be done during summer months? or is it going to cross over into the school year? We've been discussing that with the school and we're very 
uh, hopeful in our planning. Hope is not a plan. So we are planning to do this where it is not invasive to the school schedule. And eight years down the road, when bad weather returns to New England in winter, what are more of these towers fall and crush a couple of kids' cars? Does the energy company have to carry insurance on these panels and towers? That is a question I'll have to follow up with you on about the insurance select keeps associated with if something happens on those canopies. Okay. A good question. Yeah. Any question as well, just talking about um, an out, is there early termination in the agreement? I don't believe so. I don't know for sure, but I don't believe so. Have you guys ever had to work with towns where they wanted to, you know, add on to a school, renovate, and you had to move panels? You keep the panels same size, but you move them or put them on a roof? There would be, if there was a situation where we wanted to have an adjustment on the panels, there would, that would be another project that we would have to consider and they would have to go back in to the contract. We recognize that uh, in the solar committee that I'm very fortunate to work with the Medfield and, and, you know, all of you, first, I thank all of you for your volunteering your time. And I am so grateful to, to the many experts that volunteer their time to support our renewable committee. But part of the reason we've been working so closely with the school is that the solar is predicated often on the condition of the roof. There are many more projects I look forward and our committee looks forward to bringing forth to the school committee. But it's not the right time because the roofs aren't in a position. They haven't been re-roofed or, or there's other work expected. So we are working with the town planner to look at what's coming forward. So what we're recommending here, we're not expecting to have to change in 20, 25 years. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, um, who oversees the contract once the infrastructure is up? Is it building facilities? Like who's verifying, whose purview does it fall under to verify the rates that we're getting charged and seeing like on an ongoing basis? Is it Capital, but I see someone raising their hand in the back of the room and that Christine. Okay. So there's an issue with the panels. This office making the phone call saying, okay, we got a panel out. Between myself and Michael Lawrence. Oh, wow. Okay. Because we have an existing PPA on the town garage. We own two solar arrays in this. We have a PPA in the garage, so we're becoming used to how it would happen. Got it. Got it. Okay. And the second question is, is it a one-time um, tax credit or an ongoing tax credit of 3% or whatever that might be? I think it's one time, but Penny, do you know the answer to that? I don't know off the top of my head, no. Sorry. That 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 doesn't affect us. Yeah, that's, that, right. that's, that's Solar Select's issue. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's true. We don't any other questions, Bob or Sharon? Do you have any questions? Okay. All right. Megan, is this about it or do you have more you want to I, tell I, us? I can be done if you're happy. I, 
or I have some examples. I can show you where the canopies are going to be. I can tell to you about what they look like. I want to see a picture of the, why don't you show us a picture of the canopies and then, you know, I don't, I don't think we're going to vote on this tonight because there's some questions that are still out there that you're going to get back to us on, but um, it would be helpful to see the canopy. Mm -hmm. Okay, excellent. And just before we leave this this slide, um, Penny touched on this. This is the electricity supply. There's a whole other component of the electric bill that's related to the the demand side. So it, it, for the town, it's about, um, I would say, for this electricity, since this is 250, they're, they're paying $500,000 for this, including the demand side. So I just don't, as you think about the electric budget, we're planning to stabilize this portion of the electric budget, but there is another component of the electric budget. Um, yeah. Let's see. Okay, we've got this. You're going to save money, stabilize expenses, reduce carbon, and move forward. So we've got here the layouts of the parking lots. Um, can you all see this pretty well? Or I have close-ups of each of these. Yeah, 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 we can see it. Mm -hmm. So over here at, at Blake, it's this um, one parking lot, not the one that's going to get hit by baseballs at the moment. Down here is the new section of the roof that was recently repaired, planning to put panels there. The high school, this is the big parking lot adjacent to the field. And down here at Memorial, this is the parking lot off of um, Ross Street. Okay. Uh, here is an, an example of a canopy. They still are going to our canopies have not been designed or finalized. They might be wider spans. They could be, I think they, they might have a little jag at the edge, but this is what a canopy looks like. You can see them at REI. Um, you may have seen them uh, around town. So that's an example. We are getting um, better. Um, we're getting renderings that we can use in our PR. Um, we've got a, a comprehensive PR plan. Hopefully you've seen our, some articles in the newspaper. There's a survey out right now for the community to see how everybody's feeling. And I can tell you, everybody's feeling really good about solar in midfield so far. Um, we've got a program next week where we're gonna talk about this, April 10th and 11th. We're gonna respond to the questions asked in the survey. We're gonna have a, a, another version of basically this conversation on April 26th, right before town meeting in case anybody in town has a question about it. And then we're hoping we'll have a meeting specifically about the designs when the renderings are available. Um, little start heart show where we're planning to get renderings of. And we encourage you to move forward now for all the reasons we've talked about and, you know, keeps the door open and allows us to, in the school committee, to really be the most flexible with regarding solar, seize the opportunity to take advantage of any incentives that there are. And we didn't even talk about this, but there's a limit to the interconnection capacity and it's great to be there first while there is plenty of room. So um, again, Article 26, we think it's a win-win. Any other questions? Yeah. No, thank you very much, Megan. Thank you for that graph. I think that- Yeah, that was a very good <laughs> yeah. That's very helpful. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm glad you, yeah, it was a great <laughs> suggestion. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank we you. With much. the out provision and um, the impact on insurance. Those are the two follow-up questions. I just want to be- clear so that we provide you the information you need so you can approve this. We, we really do appreciate your thoughtful consideration and uh, interest in renewables. Thank you very much. Right. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Megan. Okay. So I think what we'll do, 
since Mr. Green has been patiently sitting in the, in the audience here. Why don't we go to um, Citizens Petition Article 31, the Compensation Transparency. If you don't mind, if you could come sit at this table, yeah, that would be great. Mind. Yeah, I, I, want, I want to tell you something about solar, though. Uh, I just put an array on my building, mm -hmm. and um, I kind of promised someone to be in a certain block one and two. I end up in block five by the time Eversource got around to put the meter on the building. So I'd just be a little leery of, um, you know, what you're being told about block seven and eight. You might end up in 10 or 12, and you're going to be making less money. Less money, yeah. yeah just, um, it's good to know. Anyway, um, well, thank you for coming in, and um, really just a chance for you to inform the committee here about your article um, and where you're where you're at with it. And uh, I understand that you worked with the town council to sort of, you know. Um, Get it into a, a shape where you have a motion that could be made on 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 the uh, at town meeting, and I, I've shared that with everybody. So oh, okay. every, everybody has that. Yeah. So why don't you? I'll I'll leave it up to you. Whatever yeah, so you want to talk about. Just um, I was working with the town admin and town council to get a little more transparency with uh, compensation for all the town employees from the top down, I guess. And um, you know, I I was hoping something could be. Submitted into the town warrant, but I guess um, it, it's not done that way. And I guess this is going to the annual report as far as uh, a list of salaries and compensations. Um, so I, I guess as long as it's published somewhere, I'd be happy, and, and hopefully other taxpayers feel the same way. And mm -hmm. so, uh, did you get a copy of? Um, we have a copy of your. Um your article and then the motion that yeah. that uh, you worked out with town council. Okay. Um, and it seems like a fairly uh, seems like you you identified the the section of the bylaw that requires an annual report, and you at you, but you've come up with the wording to be added to that right. section, which I think is uh, in proper form and the right way to do it. So it's uh, I mean, I think. Uh, you know, I think um, that the the benefit of having it in the in the annual report uh, is that um, if somebody wants to see it, it's there. They know where to go. It's also on the website, so right. um, it's it's available publicly to everybody. Exactly, and all the towns publish this. Yeah. So uh, I thought we should get up to speed with that too. Yeah. Any questions by anybody else on, on that? Seems pretty. I think it's great that you, you know, you worked with town council and came up with something that sounds like everybody's happy with. So that's oh good. That's good. So hopefully uh, it gets past the town meeting and uh, we don't have to talk about it anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, Excellent. Well, thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, let's see. We did this one. We did Article 23. We did 22. 
Um, why don't we do why don't we do twenty seven real quick, and then we'll go into Chris. We'll talk to Chris because this should be an easy one. Um, so articles. Oops, did we lose? Did we lose somebody? Frank, could you demote uh, me? You can just. <laughs> I left so you can take me down, but it's popping me back in. So thank you. Oh, very weird. All right. Okay. Um, so the uh, article 27, which is the change of hours for noise bylaw, yep. is yours matter, yep. right? Yeah. You want to talk about that at all? Sure. Um, well, I would love to see if kind of both the men and Medfield Town Town Code Chapter 180 noise prohibited operations and activities. Section 180-5, prohibited noise by adding the following language in bold. Shall be prohibited between the hours of 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. Monday through Friday and before 8 a.m. and after 7 p.m. on Saturdays and before 9 a.m. and after 7 p.m. on Sundays or do or act anything in relation to So my question is, I'm not sure what it's changing from. And now to what it is. So the existing is in the, in the article is seven to seven, and then it's changing, it's adding so that you can't do it before 8 a.m. on Saturday or before 9 a.m. on Sunday. Oh, okay. I think I did that one. Oh, better. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so it's currently seven, seven is the change. Seven, seven, right, days, seven days a week. Yeah. When it's changing, we'll go. Adding that extra hour for the Yeah. So the extra on Saturday and the extra hour. So the bold print is what got yeah, that's right. Right. Okay. okay. And and this was sponsored by the select board? Correct. Definitely hold on. Well, they sponsored it. So they, they sponsored it, so I assume they're going to vote in favor of it, which they will do uh, tomorrow evening. Okay. So I'll be the pain here um, and ask, and I am not someone who likes pickleball, but will this affect the hours when pickleball can play, <laughs> or do you know? Uh, it would affect any noise, um, whether it's a commercial entity coming in to do leaf blowing. Um, it could be you mow your lawn at 7 a.m. on Saturday. You have to wait till 8 o'clock to do that. So or no, on Sunday. So no pickleball on Saturday before 8 a.m. Yeah. Um, I will not, not fighting words to me. I will let Katie know they plan their next pickleball for it. Then they'll have to change the hours. Okay. Okay. Um, and this is basically the discretion of your neighbor determining what is a, a suitable noise level as being for, to kind of yeah the building inspector. The building inspector. Yeah. They would be the people who enforce it. Okay. But it's essentially complaint driven, though, right? 100. Yes. Yes. We see that. So if someone's mowing their lawn at uh, six thirty in the summer, that light out till nine, they really have to stop. They should be stopping at seven. At seven. Mm -hmm. That's existing. That's currently. Right. I'm in violation. I'm in violation. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of people in violation. Okay. All right. 
You know, when this comes up, I always think thought it would be the leaf blowers. But I'm I'm surprised by the conversation that it extends to any noise that anyone would call in question. I mean, is this really enforceable? How is this going to be enforced? I mean, the gun call. I hear the gun call. Oh, oh boy, that's a heck of a good point. Yeah, this is a good point. I'm trying to think that bucket. I'm just saying, I'm, oh, it's nice right. having the cops up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well yeah, it's but, a matter's point. The cops are up there? No, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, has anyone discussed how it's going to be enforced? It sounds like we're going to make a rule that. Well, the rule is existing now. Right. Seven to seven. Yeah, I mean, so that gun club that they're shooting, you know, yeah. outside those hours, that's a, that's that exists today. Yeah. They yeah. should be adhering to the seven to seven. They should be. They should be. Yeah. <laughs> call tomorrow, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not out there with a stopwatch. I don't have any clock. So they would have to just change their. Saturday Sunday. Yeah, Saturday, Sunday would have to change. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think that there's the chance when you introduce any change to an existing bylaw that most people in town probably doesn't know exists to begin. Uh, yeah. Most people don't know there's a seven to seven noise bylaw. The noise bylaw does not limit, you know, what actually can make noise and what can't. It's just a general noise bylaw. Does that answer your question, Bob? <laughs> not just leap forward. Yeah, no set decibel level anywhere mentioned. Like kind of like what is like the city has got you know decibel levels for building equipment and all that kind of stuff, and right. can is you know seen that with fan units and all that. Because we don't have any of that. Huh? We would just like you to not start construction or leaf blowing. Right. Or it's just that. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions or? Deliberations. I mean, what do people think? Do 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 we want? We could vote on this. We we set potential vote on and agenda on this. Do we want to put a pin in this, or do we? Are you comfortable with voting on it tonight? I'd be comfortable voting. Yeah, I don't see our minds changing much between now and next week. Okay, all right. Okay, so I'll move to adopt Article 27 as written in Warren and as just read by Mather. A second. 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 A reluctant second. All right, let's take a vote then. Okay, Jill. Um, I'm going to say no. no. No? Yes. 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 I'm not in favor of this now. No. Yes. Yes. Okay, so we have. Oh, Bob. Makes a difference. Bob? Are you a yes or no? What's the count on that now? I think there's two no's. 
And the rest are yeses in the room here. Four to two. Four to two. Uh, yes. Tied up. You're a yes. And yes. Sharon? I'm going to be a no. No. Okay. So that's three. It was five to two. It was five to two. Oh. Seven of us, yeah. Oh, so, so it was five, five to two. Seven, or five to two, and how did, how did that bother you? Bob said yes, Sharon five, said five, yes. So, so we're six, six to three. Six to three. Six to three. Six to three. Okay. Okay. Um, we'll have to figure out who writes the who writes the sure. the favorable and and you know the dissenting the dissenting views on that. Just some bullet points, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, Chris, yeah. you're up next. Okay. So this is Article uh, Article Thirty. School committee public hearings. And I will let you introduce, you know, the article tells, you know, why why you think this is important and all that. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I think it was very opportunity to have come from the strategic planning forum over at Bell Street before this because there was just um, it's it's a wonderful thing that happens when you actually have people talking about issues and challenges and things that are going on and how we can make things better. And it was just very uplifting to see that transpire and then to come here tonight and, and talk about this article. Because I feel, you know, my, my whole career, my whole life has been in communications and community engagement, getting people involved in the community. That is who I am as a person. It is part of my core values. Um, so I'm not coming at this as um, sort of trying to dictate something that people don't want. I really feel that I've watched it happen in action when when they're when people have the opportunity to, to voice um, their opinions and their concerns that good things happen from that. Um, so that's really the foundation of, of why this article came about. Um, when you look at our town meeting, our town meeting is a deliberative process. It is literally a, a, a very large public hearing. Um, People have the chance to get up, they have a chance to go to the mic, they have a chance to speak, they have a chance to, to offer opinions. Um, with the school committee, you know, you have a difference between a public hearing and a public meeting. There's a very big difference between the two. Um, with a public hearing, it is constitutionally from the 1600s designed so that the public can be heard, so that the public can go, you know, offer their opinions um, before a decision or some kind of major um, change is made. Hearing is always focused on something very specific. Whereas the public meeting, you have a number of things on the agenda. Um, it's really at the discretion of the chair whether or not they want to even allow public comment. I mean, any public meeting can say, we're not going to have any public comment tonight. And um, But at a public hearing, that the very nature of it is designed to hear from people when there's something going on. Or there's a decision to be made. It's not lumped in with five or six or seven other items. Um, and also with our school committee, you know, we now have a policy where even in during the public comment, 
it's limited to 15 minutes and each person has three minutes. And, and it's really, it could be about anything at this point, um, whether it's on the agenda or not. So if you do have one particular issue that's of concern to a lot of people, a lot of people, and I'm talking 25 or more, um, even that 15 minutes is only limited to five people that can actually say anything. Whereas a public hearing, everybody who attends that hearing and has something to say about a particular um, issue or um, topic at hand, everybody has to be heard. One of the things that came up um, when this was coming together was, what is the right number of people? Well, when you consider that for, for a town meeting, only 10 people need to, to sign a citizen's petition for, you know, um, for issues that, uh, a lot of us talked about this, for issues that you know, we're afraid that could become token issues, you know, where, where people go to school committee and 10, 10 people would request a public hearing for issues that are um, maybe not really important to a larger community. So we looked at that and said, okay, well, let's, let's double it and add it. So we said 25 is probably a good amount because that would take some effort and it would have to be an issue that people were very concerned about um, and wanted to make sure that, that they had a chance to be heard. I'm gonna give you a couple of really like real examples of things that happened here in our town where having a public hearing would have been critical. And, uh, and the thing, and we've talked about this, um, the Warren Committee has talked about this actual um, historical event. Um, we, when we increased the 2019 school budget from 5.92% to 6.16%, we had a public hearing. The school committee had a public hearing the first vote on the initial number. But then at their, their actual regular school committee meeting, they went ahead and increased that to 6.16%. People in the community, community had no idea that that was happening. For that, for that amount of change, that amount of increase to happen to a school budget, they should have had, we should have had another public hearing before that, before that was voted on again. And we didn't. Um, there are other districts, Lexington, for example, is a district that actually has two public hearings on their school budget. Um, I think that I don't think that's always necessary, but in a case like this, where you had a warrant committee, you had a board of selectmen that were absolutely against. This this budget increase, it, it, it was a mistake not to have another public hearing on this particular change in the budget. So that one was one that really jumped out at me at the time. We had another example where we extended as it, as the, the school committee voted and extended the expel, the elementary school day by thirty minutes. That was another thing they had done it. They had already done a survey to the community. There were a substantial number of people. I looked at all the survey results. There were probably roughly 40%, 35-40% um, of the people who filled out the survey who were against this extension of the school day. We did not get numbers, um, financial numbers on what the financial impact would be. Um, we did not get the chance to hear what the uh, teachers thought about this increase. Um, there were a lot of concerns in the survey that never really came to light. And that was another thing that really, that should we should have had a public hearing on that because it had a huge impact teachers on the school day on the budget and um that was something that would have would have benefited by having some public input um then i'll just give you the third one you know we have um more recently pandemic related estimate money um when that money was allocated every school every school district in this in the commonwealth 
um, was supposed to provide public comment um, about how that money should be spent. Um, some districts held public hearings on that just to get feedback. You know, we, we're gonna get this amount of money for pandemic relief. How do you think we should be spending this money? Where do you think the priorities are? Um, we never had anything like that. And I don't even know what we submitted to the to the to Dusty in terms of how uh, where the public comment came from um, for those allocations. So those are just some examples. Um, I think that you know for public hearings, um, the town town boards, committees, and commissions have always have the discretion when they want to schedule a public hearing or a public forum. Um, Public hearing come, usually comes with legal terminology, which means basically just means it requires advance notice, you know, in a newspaper, uh, online publication, so that people know about it far in advance. It's really, there's no sense in holding a public hearing and then, you know, sticking to a 48 hour notice. And if it's a big issue, people don't know about it and they only see it on a meeting notice, it kind of defeats the purpose. You can't really get people to come out. Um, and that's why they, for the public hearings, they have these, these notice requirements. Um, so there's nothing, there's no, there's no legal reason to stop any committee from, from being asked to hold a public hearing by a number of citizens. Um, there's some statutes for school committee that require public hearings, um, mostly for school choice and most, mostly for the budget hearing, but that's really the only, those are the only two legally required public hearings for school committee. Um, I just think we owe it to the community that there's an issue that's big enough that if they really want the school committee to to hear feedback, but it's important to give people the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of questions, but I don't I don't want to overwhelm everybody. So let I'll let everyone else ask questions and then I'll come back at the end. So um, who wants to go first? You want to go first? Okay. You mentioned the ESSER funds. Yeah. Um, and that came into the town. So should the town be part of this? Why just the schools? Um, there was a school portion of that, though. There was a... The, the well, school. I know, but... Oh, yeah, okay, there was. But the town had a portion as well. So why wouldn't this equally apply to the town? Um, not just the school. Well, I think in this, in this instance, the actual law from the Department of Education spoke specifically to the district. I don't think there was a town requirement to collect public comment, but there was a district, a school district requirement to collect public public comment on how the money was going to be spent. So I didn't think about the town just because I knew that the, that that Desi required it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that there's. Um, I'm, I'm trying to words. So I'm, I'm reading the iPad uh, size here. Yet there is no language either, uh, in either policy that defines any matter of concern to the community that determines how a hearing is deemed advisable. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you're a member of the school committee, you would make a determination to determine whether I could have a public hearing based upon the, the five people and their, whether it's common sense or whatever they thought rose to the level of this is so important, we've got to get everybody a, a wider sample. But basically, the, the school committee has been charged with 
the responsibilities for making those decisions. And now any person, regardless of whether it rises to the level of, of public hearing or not, can get 25 signatures and ask for a public hearing mm -hmm. on any subject, anything. Whether it's, uh, it can be on, on any school line item budget on anything. It has to, and what are the parameters here? Because if you're talking about the school budget, superintendent performance and district educational goals and policies. Well, when it comes to the school budget, presented in December, there is a public hearing in January. There is a warrant committee review. Then there is another public hearing just in March 6th for the schools. And um, so there's opportunity there for public hearings to understand the budget. And there could be changes. I mean, there, we left the March 6th meeting and basically asked the schools to add or subtract another 123,000. I'm thinking of your example of, well, we changed the, they, they changed the budget after the public hearing. Well, they just changed it in the other direction a week ago. So, you know, I, I'm just concerned that we get into areas that are really the province of the school committee and we could be we could be wasting a lot of time if we have people who are just going to challenge everything. Uh, a superintendent's performance, you know, I just I can't for the life of me think of 25 people who have an opinion on the school superintendent because they don't work with that superintendent all year long. It's the school committee. And that's certainly I mean, they, they do their performance review and the executive session, and then they come to the public. Uh, educational goals and policies, I don't know, that's a little bit more gray. Uh, I just am concerned that this could get unwieldy. Well, I think 25, again, if you have 10 people that um, are only required for citizens petition for town meeting, and 20, yeah. 25, I think is a, if you have 25 people who are, um, concerned about um, a pending decision or something that the school committee is planning or talking about before they make a decision. I mean, I'll give you another one, bus fees. You know, they're looking at bus fees. It's a big, it's a big, big issue. And there's nothing that's going to require our school committee to hold a, a public hearing before they vote on bus, bus fees, but they should. Um, 25 people, I don't think is that, that much of a, um, that low of a threshold that people would abuse it. Um, and, and also too, and then just in terms of the, the paragraph and the warrant, um, that language in terms of being heard on the topic at hand under school committee authority is really just meant to reflect the legal authority of school committee. Um, and and not and purposely not get you know get away from any kind of ancillary issues that fall under their, wouldn't fall under the Can I can I um, maybe steer steer the questions a little a little different direction? Um, Got some questions. So yeah, um, and um, so you know my my I'm curious. I I you know I I appreciate that you sent us the motion 
that you know you you uh, have. But when I read the article, um, it talks about this option of a charter or a bylaw, and and um, we don't have any specific wording, you know, for either option. Um, and um, so I know you said you were working with your lawyer, your personal lawyer, um, to to figure that out, I guess. Um, and you know, I do think that um, you know, notwithstanding maybe maybe your view that that's not important, I think at least for me, it's important to understand what that motion is. We're being asked to advise town meeting um, and make a recommendation. So having a broadly worded article at this point is is um, is to me is kind of problematic because I don't know what the motion is going to be on the town at town meeting. So and having specifics, you know, depending on which option you go down, whether it's the charter or the bylaw, having some more specificity and eliminating options, I think would help um, us, at least me, get educated on exactly what it is you're trying to do. The question I have, though, is um, does such a bylaw or charter provision exist in any other Massachusetts municipality, basically, for a publicly elected committee. Like, is what you're proposing, has it been done before? Uh, specifically for public hearings? Yeah, but your, your article is, is, is proposing to require a public hearing right. of a publicly elected body. Has that been done before in any municipality in Massachusetts? Not for specific, not specifically for public hearings, but I have seen citizens' petitions specifically asking for um, putting forth articles for for school committee changes for for a school committee to take certain types of actions, but not specific to a public hearing. Not specific to a public hearing. Okay, that involves amending a bylaw or a town charter. Or just saying we really want the school committee to have a hearing on XYZ. No, it was it was a citizens it, their citizens petitions that were put forth um, requesting some some action from the school committee. I don't remember whether it was put forth as, as a bylaw or a charter, but it was specifically um, asking a school committee to take a certain kind of action. I have to go back and look through my research that I did. But it would be helpful to know if it was in a charter or a bylaw where they were obligated to to take that act. It's one thing to have a petition and then leave the um, leave the authority to the committee to decide what to, how to dispose of it. It's another to require it in an actual bylaw or a charter provision. So that's that's one question I have: is does that has that been done anywhere in in Massachusetts for either? It doesn't need to be a school committee like a select board or something like that mm. you don't know yet but uh the other question i had was um has um has, just back to the yeah so um i think the complicating i think the complicating factor is and this is what um town council and i had spoke about talked about <laughs> is that because the warrant is basically saying just to, you know it's really um Speaking to the Board of Selectmen, the Board of Selectmen don't have jurisdiction really over school committee. So 
the uh, the the rationale for looking at the charter change was because the charter speaks specifically to school committee, whereas the town bylaw is more under the the selectman's jurisdiction. And so the, the town charter does speak specifically to the duties and the responsibilities of school committee. Right. So so it would fit into the town charter. In my opinion, at, when I was looking at this and analyzing it and talking to different people, it would make more sense to have it be a town charter change because that does does dictate the responsibilities. Of yeah. And has your lawyer advised you on how that how you do that? How do you make a change to a charter? Um, town council did. Town council did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, so there's so there's a there's a law, I guess, chapter 43B, section 10. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but there's some pretty specific you know things you have to do to amend the charter there, and they require, believe it or not, a public hearing. And uh and there's a time, there are time periods that you have to comply with. And it's it's pretty involved. And I'm not, I mean, I have a question about whether that can be accomplished between now and town meeting. So it's there's things you have to do before you get to town meeting. So you might want to study that that yeah, that I law. Thought, I thought it was I thought the town meeting was the first. My understanding from my research was the town meeting was the first step. And then it and the steps followed after town meeting. You had to get the. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a lawyer. I'm just telling you what Mark told me that as this is a concern he had, you know. Um, so, so that that would be one thing I would just suggest you make sure you get everybody on board with. Um, and um, the other question I had was, have you have you reached out to the school committee to get their views on this? Um, quite honestly, no, because. Um, after they were pushing to do away with a public comment policy, um, it, it was a, there was some very intense lobbying of them to basically try and convince them not to dismantle their existing public comment policy. So I just it, it gets to be exhausting trying to trying to. Say you know you had you had this public comment policy forever, where you allowed people to speak before you took significant votes, and they wanted to take that away. They wanted to remove that ability of people to be able to speak up three minutes before they voted on significant mm -hmm. issues. And to me, that just my understanding is they 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 didn't end up doing that. They right? did not end up okay. doing that. Okay, they did not end up doing that. But I just. The fact that that was being pushed so strongly forward, I, I, I'll be honest, it just didn't give me a whole lot of motivation. Yeah. And I'm going to say, okay, let's talk about this. I mean, do this. they have, I guess the question, do they have a, um, what is their policy now? Like, do, can any school committee member add an agenda item to the agenda? Like, one, one individual school committee, I'm assuming, can add an agenda item to the agenda. Not necessarily. Yeah, I think David, I, I, we we should find that yeah, out. Well, it's you're... only the emergency. You have you have to publish your agenda in advance. That's going to say these are the four things we're going to talk about. And I think they 
Yeah, but in advance, if the school committee member says, I want to, like, if anybody on this committee wanted to put something on the agenda, they would tell me and we'd put it in on advance, the agenda. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. No, in advance, in advance, do they have the, does a school committee member have the ability to add something to an agenda? No, no, no. They don't? Okay. No. no. Okay. So you have the authority, if, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to speak, term. I apologize. Um, if one of the members of the Warren Committee asks you to put something on the agenda as chair, you hold the authority whether or not to place that item on the agenda. Right. Mm -hmm. So the chair sets the agenda. Okay. All right. right. And I, what well, I would listen to them, obviously. Also complicated matters is that historically, any citizen in the community for forever since you've been in town for 30 years. Yeah. Any citizen could go to a school committee member and say, I would like to, I would like to have this topic on the agenda. And it, the policy used to be, the practice used to be that that would then go forward. And, and nine times out of 10, it would get put on the, it would in fact get put on the agenda if you mm. requested it. Sometimes they would put it under a public comment. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen them actually put it on the agenda. They just put it under a public comment. Mm -hmm. um, they took that away in this latest change of policy. Mm -hmm. And now the, the agenda setting policy is basically that both the school committee chair and the superintendent decide together what's going to be on the agenda. Okay. And so if you're, as a citizen, you want it, you're asking, or as a school committee member, you really want something to be on the agenda. Now that the school committee chair and the superintendent both to be, and I know. And do they? Does the pub the the public? I'm sorry, I just I just had a question on the, on the public. If they notify the chair that they would like something added to the agenda, presumably the chair would consider that and make a decision whether they want it on the agenda or not. Right? I'm assuming that's their policy. Right? Anybody can contact sure. the chair and, and right. request something to be on the agenda. Um, I mean. A public forum, I know it's not a public hearing, but in my mind, they're, they're similar except for a notice, right? I mean, a public forum and a public hearing are, are essentially the same, except you have to do a notice for a hearing. Um, so there, I mean, there are examples where I can think of recently, like they have had public forums uh, or maybe even hearings like around all the COVID issues. You know, there were a lot of apparent interest in, all the COVID issues, and they had multiple, multiple, you know, forums on that. Uh, um, you know, the example of books recently, you know, that was one uh, a great configuration. I mean, there, there are situations where they do have these, you know, they do seek public, you know, there are different ways to get public input besides having a hearing. It doesn't have to be a hearing. You can get public input from a lot of different uh, ways, but... Um, but the, the, the important thing about that, though, is historically, um, those types of forums have been held reactively and not proactively. Mm -hmm. So what will happen is all of a sudden people will get up in arms about a certain issue. They're fired up. You know, then all of a sudden it's like, let's have a public forum instead of saying, gee, we have this issue on the table that we're debating about. Let's have a public forum. Let's promote it, you know, two weeks in advance so that people know about it, so we can actually bring people in, so we can actually listen to you, to you and hear what you think before we actually go any further. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's that's the beauty of the notification piece is that 
if there's an, a topic that you can you you know is starting to be discussed and you think as a citizen G, wouldn't it be great if we had the opportunity to weigh in on this before it goes too far? It gives people enough advance notice to allow them to do that instead of being a reactive, mm-hmm. you know, people fired up. You know, it's it's much more democratic, it's much more sane, and actually and it saves time, it saves money in the time and money in the long run. Yeah. And it makes people feel more trustworthy. It makes people want feel like they want to be more engaged. It has so many ancillary benefits besides, yeah. you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand. One, I, I'll just ask one more question and then Jeremy can ask you. Sorry. Uh, so, yeah, you've covered a lot of my questions. Okay, all right. So uh, I learned that, I guess, in, in 2020, uh, there was a citizen's petition, I think, that you you had sponsored that had a similar, uh, similar in the sense that it, it required public hearings for any public body in the town and um that that petition didn't go anywhere because kind of covid came and they kind of they kind of said we're only dealing with financial article you know a town meeting but um but as i read it you know back then it was um it was for any public body and it was just for i guess it was just 10 10 signatures at the time Mm -hmm. um and i asked mark uh you know, you know, you know. I have this, I have this sort of question about: Can you? It's sort of a philosophical question. Can you, can you demand a publicly elected committee? You know, can you impinge on their authority basically by you know inserting yourself on their agenda setting process or when you know, tell them when to do things? And I, you know, Mark told me that he did look into this issue when that first citizen petition came up and that he um, made a phone call to the attorney general. And, and I think he shared this with mm-hmm. you, according yeah. to him, that there was, uh, there was a concern that this was not, um, that it impinged on, you know, the committee's authority mm-hmm. and that, uh, you know, from what, from what he understood that it, it was not consistent with state law. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious, have you, looked into that with your lawyer have you had any discussions with the attorney general about whether this is um i, think know, I know it's not it's it's limited to the school committee right so it's narrower but it is narrower and that yeah. was the main reason that um this was specific to school committee because i think it's different from from the research that i've done it's different the rules are different for school committee than it is for for um, other public bodies it would be helpful to know okay. how it's yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. If you could share that with us. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, if whatever research your lawyer's done or you've done on it would yeah. be helpful. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't think I have any question per se, just some concerns with it. Um, in that, you know, as Steve mentioned earlier, it's it's, it's bylaw change or charter change, it's not specific. Hmm. Um, and there's no wording proposed for either. And the, the changing the bylaw as opposed to changing the charter are two different mm-hmm. things and two different right. procedures for that. Um, and I wouldn't be comfortable supporting anything without having some specifics. Um, and, you know, for some of the reasons that Steve just mentioned, I kind of question the, the legality of, of this. Um, and, you know, that could be challenged. Um, 
you know, it would be helpful if you could share, you know, share whatever you can around that that issue. Uh, we're not going to vote on this tonight, but so we have time to kind of think and think about it and deliberate on it. And um, I will mention we probably should talk to school, you know, school committee uh, just to get their perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And kind of the term public hearing is 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 a vague one, and it means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And it's generally, you know, when it's mentioned, you know, somebody, some board must do a public hearing, it actually kind of defines it in it. You know, you, you know, just the fact of having a public hearing doesn't necessarily mean there's no place to put good definition out there. Mm -hmm. You don't reference national uh, X for public hearing that gives you the notice period and yeah. what board can do or can't do. It's not well defined. Mm -hmm. um, so again, the wording, specific wording of what would be changed in the bylaw or charter matters. Yeah, that's important because, um, you know, it makes it binding, right? Which I'm assuming is what you want. So otherwise, you know, we're dealing with something that's very broadly worded and I don't know how you get to, you know, the path to get to what you want, so. Well, I mean, although- Unless I guess it could be non-binding. A non-binding referendum, but yeah. um, but you know it sounds like that's not what you want. So, yeah. But I, I also think that the the I mean my in talking with town council and this was a while ago, so I can catch This seems specific enough for like if you actually look at the town charter with regard to the the, the roles and responsibilities of school committee, it's. This is specific enough to fit in to fit in with. I'm not sure. There's no yeah. nothing in quotes like you're not replacing this language with that or inserting this specific language anymore. It's a yeah. Well, in other words, we vague. yeah. It it, 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 you it know, seems more like a I think Mark you know Mark could help you craft something. Yeah. You know, I think if you need help, he did it with he did it with very effectively. Discreet as he can be, and I'm not good at discretion. Is that Mark Sorrell has communicated that he has concerns about the form of this, and that will be pretty important when we come to town meeting. So it, it behooves you to at least not have questions as to form to get to get together with Mark Sorrell and try and see if you you and he can reach agreement on the form of this because. I think right now where it's headed is it might not even be entertained because it's not in proper form. So I'm being unbelievably blunt here. Probably Steve's going to chew me out later. Uh, but I, I don't think you can say either or, either the town charter or the bylaw, because that conveys this direction to nobody to do anything. You have to say, we're going to amend the bylaw to do blah, or we're going to amend the charter to do blah. I don't think you can say one or the other. Well, no, that, that I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, sorry, go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I just, I don't know if it's a question or a comment, but my primary concern is that we're talking about an elected body. And uh, I, I think the most democratic process is through the election. And I'm not sure why this wouldn't be addressed by electing the candidates who are responsive or 
uh, that we are electing candidates who are responsive to to the the needs and the uh, desires of the community. So my question, I guess, is why doesn't the election process address the concerns if it's felt as though the committee, this specifically elected committee, is unresponsive? Is that question for Chris or me? <laughs> I, as I said, I don't know if it's a question or a comment. It's a comment that I feel as though this belongs with the election of the people who are on the committee. They're elected. Okay. Another hour? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if there's anything you want to say that doesn't take an hour, feel free to say it now. I mean, you know, you're here, so. Um, I just think, you know, I've, I've been to, I've said this, and I'm only saying this because I have a very, I think, a unique perspective on how our school committee has operated for a very long time because I've gone to all the meetings for the last 10 years. Um, I've been very involved in the schools since 1995, 96, on site councils, uh, doing communication surveys, working on Metro West adolescent survey results. Um, I've been involved on very, very different levels, and I've seen the inner workings for a very long time. And the one area that I see um, is difficult to overcome is the, the true genuine desire to have community engagement on difficult issues. And, and I have watched it over and over again hurt our community because things blow up, things end up taking longer, they end up causing divisiveness. And when you have, like tonight with this, this this wonderful focus group that we had before I came, you can see what happens when people have an opportunity to come together and you put challenges on the table and you actually can talk about them in an open setting. It's, it, it, it is very therapeutic. It allows people to come together and it, and it heals divisiveness. And I've seen way too many instances where it's been reactive. And the proactive strategies of having communication and engaging the community have not happened. And I know professionally, I've been trained by the most amazing supervisors, workshops through my entire career about how to do this right. And, and, it, and, it, and it, it upsets me because I know that good things happen when you engage the community and when you engage people before decisions are made. And so I'm passionate about it. And I think it's, you know, this may not be the right path, but but I'm I'm committed to trying to figure out how to do it. Okay, okay. Well, I appreciate your, you know, you uh, explaining that. That's good. Um, are there any other questions for Chris while she's here? Anybody? Sharon, you all any questions? Um, I don't. I don't have any questions. I have one statement about the examples that Chris gave at the beginning about the 
FY 2019 needed for a public hearing about the budget. There was one. It was the warrant hearing. I know it wasn't a school called one, but that was an extremely well attended warrant hearing and it was pretty engaged. So I do think that that was there. So I think that depending on the topic, um, the right place for a hearing isn't necessarily at the school committee. Um, and then other than that, I just echo what everybody else said. I don't think we can vote on this until there's actually a motion and determine the legality of this is important before anybody votes. So that's all. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Well, thank you very much for coming in and, uh, you know, anything you can do to, Maybe think about some of these process type issues. Maybe work with Mark or whatever. Get back to us. That would be helpful. Okay. Thank you. All right. So, um, yes, please do. So this is what I get for uh, presenting to you without my notes in front of me, which I couldn't find when we were talking about the noise control button. So it is only commercial. Uh, I would list to you the current restricted, which is operation of earth moving or other, other heavy vehicles, spark up or idling of any diesel engine equipped vehicle or uh, gross vehicle weight of 15,000 pounds or excess, construction, demolition, or alteration, uh, including excavation, operation of any wood brush, chipper, power equipment, tool, hammer, chainsaw, power mower, trimmer, blower, other construction, forestry, or landscape equipment, and all of you can keep mowing your lawns till nine o'clock because you are exempt <laughs> if you are doing regular maintenance on your own property. Personally, personally, yes. Individual owners doing it yourself, and you're okay to shovel your driveway. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, having having so, 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 having heard what you just yeah. heard, does anybody want to revote the vote? We this can just or do you, do you want to do you want to just stick with? I mean. If even if one person wants to revote, I will. We'll do. We'll do a revote. We'll rescind the prior vote and do another vote. But because I didn't want anybody to be misled, you know. So everybody's comfortable with their vote. Okay, got it. Okay. Bob and Bob and Sharon, you're fine. Yes, I'm fine. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for correcting the record on that. Thank you. All right. Uh, well, I think we can, I think we're through, uh, we can, yeah, we can save these financial articles to the next meeting and get through those, I think, the other, yeah. other financial articles, we'll get through the big one, so, um, is there anything else you wanted to add besides that, Christine? No, I have Update from town finance? Other than you have before we go to print the more, I might have mentioned that a few times. Yes, yes, so our next meeting is... Was... <laughs> Our next meeting, we really have to make it a priority to vote the financial articles first, you know, and then we'll go into the the, uh, the other article discussions. And I am probably leaning towards having a meeting on the 25th just to clean up any votes on some of these citizen petitions and things that we need to vote on before town meeting. So, so we'll have two more meetings. There'll be the 11th. And we have a lot of the water, uh, the water articles, and then getting through all the, the votes on the financial articles. And then the 25th would be the next meeting before town meeting. 
and um, I think of informational items. I just had a couple things. Bob and I have been working on a warrant letter that will go in the warrant from the warrant committee uh, as co-chairs. I'm going to send a draft of that around to everybody. Uh, we're not looking for you to edit it. It's been heavily edited already. But just so you, in case you see anything in there that you strongly object to, let us know. Your name is, the letter's not from you, but your name is listed as a marketing member on the letter. So I thought you'd make sure your name's spelled correctly. That's an important item. <laughs> uh, so I'll be sending that around. And then um, we will be doing a uh, the same presentation we did at the warrant hearing. We're going to do that again, Bob and I, for Medfield TV. That, but you've already seen that. So, um, and then I know, I don't know if you have an update on the school building committee. Sure, I have some quick highlights. Um, school building committee last meeting, I don't know who the date was. Last Thursday. Last Thursday, yes. Um, some real highlights were that we have a elected co chair, Dr. Meredith Chamberlain, has been elected co chair with Mike Weber. So, we have two. Specifically named co-chairs um, of the committee. Also, a uh, subcommittee was formed, basically to kind of named the community engagement committee subcommittee. Uh, I believe that was four members um, of the school building committee joining that committee. Uh, and their purpose is to um, kind of brainstorm and think about how we're going to engage the community through the process, letting them know information, getting community feedback, and. Um, the uh, update or the deadline to submit to the MSBA is uh, 14th of April. And so that is being circulated. And uh, the um, statement of interest is being circulated and kind of formulated by the school building committee and that will all control. Great. Anything else? Anybody else wants to add? Okay. Mr. Sliney. Would you like to make your favorite motion? Motion second. All right, is a second. Let's go around. Yes. 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 Bob. Yes. And Sharon. Yes. Okay. Great. Thank you all. We are adjourned.